This is a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z-Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online. And now it's time for a Dimland Radio pedantic moment. Yeah, this ought to be good. Well, let's get the show started with one. However, before I get to it, I need to do a little setting up. <clears throat> uh, you know, I'm going to get the sports ball talk out right away here as well. So, uh, well, you know, it's the big NFL championship, uh, you know, the conference championship series, uh, or it's not series, games, this weekend. So there's two games. Four teams are left. We've got uh, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs are hosting the Cincinnati Bengals, and the um, Philadelphia Eagles are playing host to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, I really don't have a dog in the fight. As far as any of these teams, you know, my my beloved Vikings, uh, we're one and done as as I predicted. Oh yes, I predicted one and done. But then, of course, that's what I predict every time they make the postseason. So you know, I'm going to be right more often than not because <laughs> it's the Vikings. Anyway, so the uh, the big sporting events are happening uh, this weekend, and then. Uh, the winners of these two games will meet each other in the Super Bowl in a couple of weeks. So I, at this point in in the playoffs, as soon as the Vikings are eliminated from the playoffs, assuming they make the playoffs, as soon as they are eliminated, then I just hope for good games. That's that's what I hope for. I hope for a good game. So and, and I've been getting we've been getting pretty good ones. Uh, throughout. So let's hope for a couple of good games coming up uh, this weekend. Uh, as I said, I don't have or uh, a dog in the fight, but if, I, if I'm forced to pick a team, which I'm not, but I did pick one uh, that I would root for, that's going to be the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, I did a little research on this. The Bengals have been to the Super Bowl three times, but they've never won one. Uh, they were, you know, 82, uh, uh, 89, and then again in 2022, uh, which was last year, and they did they they lost e- each time. Uh, in 82 and and, ni- and 89, they played the San Francisco 49ers. So there's a possibility of another matchup between those two teams in the Super Bowl. There's a possibility, uh, which you know. Let's hope that the Bengals win if they make it to the Super Bowl. Again, because they've never won one. Uh, the 49ers have been in, let's see, we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven Super Bowls. 
uh, 82 and 80, 82 and 89 against the uh, the Bengals. 82 being their first. Then there was uh, between there where there was 85, 1990, 1995, then 2013 and 2020. Uh, and see, they won one, two, three, four, five. It looks like if my numbers are correct here, they've won five Super Bowls. I mean, is that, can that be right? I think that might, uh, that could be right. I hope that's right. I'll check the show notes. And if I made any goof here, I'll I'll correct it. But that's that's pretty outstanding. The Philadelphia Eagles, uh, they've been to the Super Bowl three times. They lost the first two times they were there, and then they won in 2018. And then that was the season of the 2018 uh, uh, Super Bowl win. That was the that was the playoff season that had the Minneapolis miracle, where Minneapolis. Uh, 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 beat the St. Paul's, uh, not the St. Paul, the Saints, uh, the Saints from New Orleans. Let's put it that way, the New Orleans Saints. Uh, they beat them in a just a an amazing last few seconds. Uh, we were hoping we, uh, that the Vikings were tra- were trailing by one point at that. It was twenty four to twenty three. They had no timeouts. They were the hope was that they could get the ball far enough down the field to Stefan Diggs. He could catch it and get out of bounds so he'd have a chance to kick a field goal and win the game. Which would have been a miracle enough as that was. But what happened was uh Diggs did indeed catch the the pass. The def- one of the there were two defenders on him, but one was just a little too far away and the other one took the wrong angle trying to tackle him. Didn't want to... You know, all they had to do was tackle him in, in bounds, keep him from getting out of bounds, and the game was over, and, and New Orleans wins. But the defender took the wrong angle, missed Diggs completely. Diggs landed on the ground with the ball, and he ran it in for a touchdown. Vikings win the game. It's, it was amazing. It was the first time, at least that I am aware of, in playoff history that the Minnesota Vikings had a break go their way instead of against them. The breaks always went against them. Uh, Gary Anderson missing that field goal. Uh, um, uh, 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 Brett Favre throwing the interception. You know, but just before that, the 12 men in the huddle. It's just, you know, the breaks always went the way of the other team. This was the first time, so that's cool. All right, so that was the um, the Philadelphia Eagles one, and then the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, they they were the first. They were in the first Super Bowl in 1967 against the Green Bay Packers. They lost that one. They were the ones that beat the Vikings when the Vikings got to their first Super Bowl in 1970. And, and just, you know, mention uh, Hank Stram. He was the uh, man, uh, the coach of the, uh, the head coach of the, uh, uh, the Chiefs in the, uh, for that Super Bowl. Uh, just ask an older Minnesota Vikings fan about Hank Stram and how they feel about him, and you're going to get some grumbles. Because <laughs> the NFL Films was was on the sideline, just just catching this guy gloating and being arrogant and just, oh, <laughs> see, we're beating him and all that kind of, oh, we all, ooh. but hey, he beat us. He beat the Vikings, so, you know, he gets to brag. Uh, and then, let's see, they, uh, so they won that one in 1970. They, were, they, went, they hadn't been to a Super Bowl again until 2020, won that one. And then they were in the Super Bowl again the next year in 2021, which they lost. All right. So, you know, that's that's the Eagles have uh, one Super Bowl win. Uh, the, the, uh, the Chiefs have two. If my counting's correct, uh, the, the 49ers have five. The Bengals have none. So let's let the Bengals have a Super Bowl win. That'd be nice. For Cincinnati, wouldn't that be nice? That'd be nice. And I, I, you know, anyway, I do hope for good games. Now... 
yes, anyway, this was supposed to be a pedantic moment. Now, why do I do my sports thing and then get to my pedantic moment? Well, because I have fr friends, I do, I have friends who uh, say to me, uh, you know, why do you even watch commercials? Well, I'll tell you, and I'm sure I've told you this before, because I watch sporting events. And it's not, sometimes, depending on how I'm watching them, if I'm watching in my laptop, I just... I, I just, you know, I have to sit through the commercial breaks because I'm not going to be able to flip around the channel. And if I'm watching on TV, if there's two games on at once, like football, a lot of times there's two games on at once, you can go flip back and forth. But it's amazing how many times they sync up commercials. It's weird. The games don't start at exactly the same time. Uh, and But somehow they're in commercial. It's Anyway. anyway. So most of the time, I'll just mute the commercial if it gets annoying me. But in these pedantic moments, yes, most of them, or quite a few of them anyway, come from television commercials, radio ads sometimes too. And it's just because because I think the advertising world, I the the world that's depicted in advertising in comic, uh, not comic, in, in commercials is is it's not it's not our world. It's some parallel universe. Because who acts that way? You know those, those, those commercials where they have like the, the gardening tool all in one? And it so, makes it so easy to do gardening with this tool. But before, you know, they show you before how you had to wrestle with all these other tools. And it was, it was a black and white world. And, and your hair would be messed up. And it's so difficult. But now with this tool, everything's wonderful. You know, it's, it's like that's not... What kind of world is that? Nobody lives in... The, anyway, so, so I think that commercials... The advertising world thinks that that the that the world they're in must be some other. It's a parallel universe thing that they're they're living in, or or think that we're living in or something because it just never reflects reality. Anyway, so uh, th there's an ad, and it, it's for uh, it's for Miller Lite, which is a quote unquote beer. I know I'm a snob, but, <laughs> but it's it has to be really, really, really cold for me to at least to be able to get it down without going. Ugh, jeez, somebody pee in this bottle. So anyway, but hey, if you like the if you you know pilsners are not my thing generally. I like a more hoppy beer. I like you know a little more bite to the taste. I think, but but the light beers and the pilsners, I just it's a little too watery for me or something. It's just. Uh, yeah, not for me. If they're for you, that's fine. Your taste buds are different than mine. We're that's fine. We're okay. We're human beings living on this planet together. Let's be nice. So anyway, <laughs> so the guy there's there's a there's a dude that walks into this little grocery store. I guess if it was in New York, we'd call it a bodega. So he goes up to the uh, the cooler and he pulls out uh, a 12 pack of Michelob Ultra, which is also a quote unquote beer, and he brings it up to the counter and at the counter. Now, let me talk about this guy for a moment. At the counter, the cashier is Mr. Can't Be Bothered. It's just a, uh, you know, he's one of those guys. You ever run into those guys, when you uh, people, when you go shopping? And you go to, to fast food or you go... They just can't be bothered. You know, I work at a store, Nostalgia Zone, which is where I'm recording this. Hey, if you like comic books, check out our website, NostalgiaZone.com. Buy some comic books. Keep me in a job. There, I got the ad in. So... I'm trying to be as pleasant as I can be with our customers. A little talk with them if they want to. Uh, you know, I you know judge on how they're doing, and you know I be pleasant. It's, it's, it's there's no problem. I'm not acting like Mister Can't Be Bothered here. So anyway, so can't Mister Can't Be Bothered looks at what the customer is sat on the on the counter, and he he looks at it, 
And he has this kind of look in his face like, really? And then he, he indicates to the customer to have a look around the store. He does this, you know, through facial expression and a nod of his head and, his, and a movement of his eyes, right? So the customer does take a look around the store. And the store, it's every sign, every, every single sign that you see in that store is all about the Miller Lite. It's all Miller Lite stuff. It's about it being just one more calorie. One more calorie than what? I guess than Michelob Ultra, I guess. And then it's, it tastes great. And it's, you know, Miller Lite, Miller, everywhere you look, it's all signs about Miller Lite. There's no, there's no, you know, bananas, a dollar a dozen or something. There's no signs like that. It's, it, you do in the background, I should say, in the background, you do see a 24-hour neon thing in the window. You do see that, but it's probably uh, underneath the saying Miller Lite sold 24 hours. Yeah. It, 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 anyway, so and there's even a coworker of Mister Can't Be Bothered, who's got shaved in the back of his head. Just just one more calorie. It's, it's this. It's all about the Miller Lite. So that so the, so the the customer then gets the message, and he goes and he. You know, he puts the the Michelob Ultra back, and he grabs the Miller Lite, and puts it on the counter, and then Mister Can't Be Bothered still can't be bothered, as he's just like, oh, okay, I guess I'll ring you up. I, anyway, so he does that. Now, what's the pedantry? My question is, why do you have any other beer in the store than Miller Lite? You clearly only want to sell Miller Lite. Why the Michelob Ultra? Why is it there? See, advertising, they live in a parallel universe. It, it, it doesn't make sense. I don't care what you get. You know, if you come into the comic book store here and you want to buy a particular comic book, I'm not, first of all, I'm not going to be, can't be, Mr. Can't Be Bothered. And I'm not going to say, really? You want to buy that? You're buying DC? What's wrong with you? We've got plenty of Marvel comics. No, I. that's what they want. The, the customer should say, hey, dude, I happen to like... Michelob uh, Ultra. I happen to like that, quote-unquote, beer. But no, okay. <laughs> so, um, but I will say about the ad, is there is there's a subtle bit of cleverness. Sometimes the advertising world does stuff like this. Actually, a lot of times they put in, they do something that's kind of clever. Uh, so, like I said, all the signage in the store, every single bit of signage in the store is about Miller Lite. And we are hearing some music that's being played in the store, you know, sort of to help make for a pleasant shopping experience. You know how they do that. The song being played is Ace of Bass and their song, The Sign. I saw the sign. So, you know, that's kind of clever. So I'll give them some points for that. But otherwise, I, and I just, and I don't understand the character of Mr. I, Mr. Can't Be Bothered. I don't understand that character. Why did he have to be that way? Could, I mean, he could be that way at first. Like, really, you're going to buy that? Look around, pal. He could be like that. And then when the guy comes back, he could be more like, there you go. Give him a nod, like, there you go. Now you got it. But no, advertising world, again, they're in the parallel universe. Uh, maybe not. Maybe that's uh, more reflective of the way things are in stores or in, in like, in little grocery stores, I don't know. The, the one that I used to go to uh, when I worked at the janitor place, mom and pop grocery shop, they were you know, very pleasant. Everybody there was very pleasant. So, I, I whatever. 
Oh, what time is it? How long have I gone? Oh, heck, uh, it might be a little early, but according to my clock, I'm going to take my break. So um, you're listening to Dimland Radio here in the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons, and I will be back after this break. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Valtor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Z-Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and, of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. When, oh when, will someone design an exploding head emoticon? Please, someone, anyone. You're listening to Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. And welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. I know I did one of these last week, but I'm going to do another one this week. It's not true, it's not true. I'm telling you, because I'm up here and you're nowhere. It's not true. So there. So this past week, at, uh, at where I work now, uh, at the silk screening shop, um, I, I got to exercise a little skepticism. And I think I'm going to be able to exercise a little skepticism a bit more and more. Now, not to cast aspersions on my coworkers, but uh, there's one of them there that, is, uh, that has known me for a long time and knows my skepticism. So when he tells me something, he's, he he'll he'll he might pause and say, "Now, what do you think of that?" And I said, "Well, you know, the flags are raising. You know, my skeptical flags are going up." Uh, but yeah, go on, tell me your story. <laughs> he knows, uh, and then you know, it, it's it's the the person that I work most closely with in the same office with uh, that um, you know doesn't is getting to know me, and I'm the skepticism is coming out in little drips and drabs here it's just a little bit i'm trying not to be well actually uh, the, all the time but um something came up this past week that was just it just seemed wait a minute this can't be right this can't be real because if this is it's unbelievable it's uncanny it's incredible if, if this is true 
it's, holy cow. Uh, I mean, I, 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 you know, as a skeptic, we, uh, if I can speak for us, we, we, we are open to the possibility of coincidences. Because, yes, coincidences happen. And sometimes they are incredible. Uh, amazing coincidences. This might be such a case that this this is amazing. So what was it? <clears throat> well, uh, my coworker mentions that uh, uh, that it was it, it's been pointed out on the internets, and he even showed a video of it where the where the uh, the producers of the uh, long long running animated series the simpsons predicted uh fearless loser running for president they predicted it not only did they predict it they uh they showed it in such a way that you know that it was uncannily like the announcement in 2015 when he announced that he was going for president you you remember that seek that scene uh, the 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 uh, you know he and Melania coming down the uh, the uh, the escalator. She's in front of, in front of him a couple of steps. Now she's I'm far be it from me. <laughs> I've always thought she was the best looking first lady we've ever had. I've always thought that. Maybe not. She's not the prettiest inside from some of the stuff we've been learning about her. But she's physically attractive. All right. So I mean, and, and I in my opinion. You know, maybe the best-looking first lady that I can think of. Um, although Barbara Bush, when she was younger. Anyway, just saying. So, because <laughs> um, she she was so matronly by the time she was, you know, first lady Barbara Bush. That is, by the time you know, George H. Uh, w. Bush's wife. Yeah, you know, she was so matronly at that point. You don't really think of that. But when you see a picture of when she's younger, you think, well, you know, these people were young too. These people, we see them old now, but you know, they were young at some point and they did, you know, they were, there was no innocent time ever. We, some of us wistfully look back thinking, oh, when things were so innocent before, no, no, there was never an innocent time. People were, you know, just as not innocent <laughs> then as they are today. So anyway. Um, there's Melania, and she's wearing this outfit that is uh, uh, sort of a, not an upskirt, but an upshirt kind of thing. I mean, you see midriff on her as she's coming down. That's, it's not the, you know, the angle. It's, I, okay, fine. She's fine. She's, I mean, she's, it's a nice outfit. She looks good. And it's, it's modest enough, but then, you know, a little bit of midriff showing. I don't know if that's something I'd, I don't know, but who cares, right? Right? This, whatever. And then behind her is Fearless Loser, right? And he, and around them, uh, up on the up on the landing, are just a crowd of people all cheering. Oh, finally our Savior is here! Only He can fix it. He said it Himself. So there he is. He see he waves with his uh, with his right hand, and then he gives a thumbs up with the left. And you know you, you can picture that sequence. All right. So in two thousand, according to this video that was posted and according to my co-worker in 2000 the Simpsons program had a scene where they were predicting the fearless loser was going to run for president now they didn't have Melania on the escalator with them they just had him coming down by himself but it was the same angle it was the same building which 
I said later, you know, still being blown away by how incredibly uh, spot on it was. I mean, right down to the waving with the with the right hand, and then thumbs up with the left. Right down to that, his pose, the way he moved, everything, and the angle at which the shot was taken, yeah, or drawn. Uh, it was the same, and the building was the same. And I said, "Well, that would make sense because it's Fearless Loser Tower or whatever, they, right? Wasn't that the building he was in?" So, okay, I, I I can see how you know there's only so many angles you can do. So okay, that would be understandable that that would be the same or similar. But man, it's exactly the same. Crowd of people up there. Some of them are holding signs that say "paid" because uh, there was this uh, uh, notion that some of the people there were paid to be there and act all enthusiastic about the loser deciding to not win the popular vote. Oh, he didn't decide not to win it, but he ended up not winning the popular vote. But still, because of our weird, antiquated electoral college system, he manages to squeak out a win. <sighs> anyway. <clears throat> and we were subject to him to this day. We're still dealing with the aftermath of that of that person. And I, I looked at it, it, it and it, it's, it's astounding. They show the video in this, in this clip. They show the actual video from 2015, and they show this, this from the Simpsons show from 2000, and it's just, it's astounding. It's, I, I, I you know, and my coworkers saying, yeah, isn't it nuts? Well, you know me, I'm a skeptic, and I got to thinking. Oh come on! That can't. There, there's. That's just. That can't. There's something. There's something not right here. This is. This is too perfect. Something's not right. Let me look into this. So I did. Started. You know. Started, started digging around on the, on the Google, and uh, uh, and I I find uh, I think it was Snopes.com, which is still a good resource for for finding out about these sorts of things. Is it true? Is it not? I, I find there that although the the Simpsons did predict a Fearless Loser presidency at about 2000 or 19, you know, but, but that was not a very big stretch because he was starting to float the idea in about 1999 was when was when the uh, the orange one decided to start floating the notion that uh, he might run for president and and it was there was an episode where they they mention his having a presidency and so that's okay that is true but the clip the the animated the, you know the show this was actually a little little film they put out just after the loser announced he was running for president just after that. And so they had the video footage of him coming down the escalator with, you know, waving with the right hand and giving the thumbs up with the left and the crowd around him. And then they put Homer Simpson behind him. And it actually goes into a, a fun little bit about the guy's hair. Because uh, Homer's looking at the back of his head, and and he gets pulled into the hair of the uh, of the loser, and it's you know what's what he finds inside the hair is pretty funny. So you know it it, it there's a reason it was so uncannily accurate. It, it because it wasn't a prediction, it was a post diction. It was just reflecting what had happened. Uh, so what had happened. 
so the uh, the Simpsons predicting a, uh, uh, a presidency of Fearless Loser, or at least the announcement of the running for president of Fearless Loser in 2000, predicting it in that year, it, that's not true. It's not true, it's not true. I'm telling you, because I'm fearing you're aware. It's not true. as long as I'm talking about the fearless loser you know this document stuff I haven't mentioned anything about it uh, I hadn't you know it just was a I don't I don't know if I would have categorized it as him stealing them I maybe I would have because you know my opinion of the man is as low an opinion I can have of anybody can be I mean you know it's I just I the stain he has put on this country will be there for a long, long time. I mean, we're still, we're still dealing with it, and he still hasn't gone away. But mercifully, he's old. You know, it's the, the comparison with him and Adolf Hitler, when Adolf Hitler first tried a coup, you know, he did. He tried a coup, and then he was, he was put in prison, and the, the German government thought, well, we're done with him. And then, well, he got out of prison, and then he started to build his power, and, well, we know what happened then. But the thing is, he was much, much younger when, I mean, he was, I don't know, in his 40s or something like that, when he w became chancellor of Germany. Uh, he died at age 57 or 56. I think I've lived older than, than he managed to get to be. Uh, and you know, it is, it's been said by people funnier than me. <laughs> it's been said that, you know, it, it, it took Adolf Hitler to kill Adolf Hitler. <laughs> you know, because he did. He managed to do what so many had tried before. Because there were lots of attempts on his life. Anyway, and, and none of them succeeded until he decided, look, if you're going to get something done and you want it done right, you got to do it yourself. Am I right? Huh? Anyway, give me, where's the dog? Bring the dog in here. Let's see if these suicide pills work. And he gave the, to the dog, killed the dog, and then he kills his wife or she kills herself. And then he says, you know, I'm going to take the pill, but you know what? I think I need a bullet in the brain. No, good for you, Hitler. Good for you. Uh, couldn't have done that, uh, you know, 20 years earlier, could you? You, you couldn't have done that? Uh, how would the, how different would the world have been? Don't know. But at least Fearless Loser is old. And judging by how he looks, I'm not a doctor. Remember, I'm not a doctor. I just play doctor online. Uh, he doesn't look like he's the pillar of health. And his diet, as we've seen, he you know doesn't seem great. So maybe a massive stroke is coming his way. Can we hope? Oh, I don't know. I, I know that's a terrible thing. I understand, but that's my low opinion of the man. So anyway, so he's got all these documents. The National Archives that they're supposed to be in charge of the this kind of stuff. They 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 approached him and his people and said, Hey, we see you have these documents, or you got a whole bunch of them. We need them back. And they essentially said, We don't have them. Or and then it turned into, no, we're not giving them back. They're mine. I declassified all this whole crap, right? So then Sleepy Joe comes along, and apparently he's got some documents that go back to his days in, as a senator. But the difference there is his people found the documents, found some, 
And they contacted the National Archive and said, hey, we've got some documents we shouldn't have. We need to get these back to you. And the National Archive said, oh, great, good, thanks. And, uh, and then they found, and his, Biden's people found some more somewhere else. And that's when the Attorney General said, you know what, I'm going to have to appoint a special counsel to m go through all this stuff and make sure that all the documents are, are found and, and returned. All that that shouldn't be had by, you know, Brandon shouldn't have these. Let's get them back to, you know, let's get them back to the Archive. All right. So then all the Republicans who were doing as much hand waving as they, as they could when Fearless Loser was guilty of it, they start saying, pointing at, uh, you know, why is he getting raided? And why is he the one doing the treatment here? Why is he the one Well, because there's one word that makes the difference between the two. And the word is cooperation. Sleepy Joe is cooperating. Fearless Loser did all he could to not cooperate. That's why. If they'd cooperated right from the beginning, none of us would likely know anything about this. Maybe we would, but I think it, it seems like it's doubtful that we would have known anything about it. And then just as the Republicans were getting all steamed up about it, <laughs> one of their own, another one, <laughs> Vice President Mike Pence, <laughs> uh, I've got some too. And again, I think his people found them, and they said, we got to let the archives know that we've got them. So what needs to be done is some procedural uh, reviews need to be take, need to take place to see what the hell's going on. Because uh, we might find out that all kinds of senators and former presidents and former vice presidents have, and, and representatives, have documents that they shouldn't have. This might, this, this might really snowball, which again would probably go in favor of loser because everybody would be so, well, this is a terrible system. And they'd forget the fact that the man did not cooperate and lied about having them, and then said he declassified them with his brain and all this kind of shit. It's a stain that will last a long, long time. Uh, where am I at? Oh, I'm going to take my next break. And then when I come back, oh, it's going to be self-indulgence. I'm telling you. Because I, I, I haven't talked about them in, in a long time, and I just have to. I gotta talk about the greatest rock band in the in the world, at least according to my to me. <laughs> to me, it's opinion. You know, it's art. It's subjective. Okay, so uh, I'll be back after this break. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the Z Talk Radio Network. Uh, sit tight. I'll be Hornswoggled. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. You don't say. Oh, what? You think you went off to college or something? On ztalkradio.com. That's the most amazing thing since Grandma survived the outhouse incident. Hi, this is Pete Townsend of The Who. I just want to say that the United States Air Force is a great place to be, a great place to learn a space-age skill and serve your country too. 
the aerospace team. That's where all the breakthroughs are. See your United States Air Force recruiter. Find out how you too can fly the skies, reach for the moon, and touch the stars in the United States Air Force. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio's Red-Headed Stepchild. It's Dr. Dim on Dimland Radio on the Z-Talk Radio Network. Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Well, that song coming out of break was uh, the song Athena, which is off the uh, It's Hard album, which came out in, I think, 1982, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, that was the Who's last album, sort of. <laughs> the last album with John Entwistle in the band. You know, Keith Moon had died in 1978, so there had been two albums that came out uh, since Keith Moon died that did not involve him uh, uh, in, in the band. And uh, and then uh, it's uh, then John Entwistle died in 2002, I think it was. Uh, and it was just, he died just before a tour was to take place. The tour in which uh, uh, I took my wife, Amy, to see The Who play uh, for the first time. Uh, and for Amy, uh, I'd seen The Who a couple times before that. And I've seen them one time since, I think 2016, and it's probably going to be the last time I see them, because, you know, they're old farts. Who wants to watch a couple of old farts on a stage, you know, pretending to be rock stars? Well, they're still rock stars, damn it! So, okay. Uh, um, and they've And The Who have since... Uh, released a couple of albums since then. It's pretty much just Roger and Pete, of course, you know, from the original band. Uh, but there's, you know, whatever. So, um, and I, I've seen something that there might be another Who album coming soon, or a solo Townsend album. I can't remember now, but yeah, if it comes out, I'll check it out because you know, they're my favorite band. Uh, I, I call them the greatest rock band ever. Again, that's an opinion. Your results may vary. Uh, I'm going to show you some examples of why I think they, you know, they're such a great uh, rock band. Now, really, their reputation is for being a great live act. Their albums are terrific, uh, especially albums like uh, Quadrophenia, my favorite of their albums. But their shows are really something. Their, their live performance, and I'm going to give you a little taste of that. Now, what brought this up was... On a recent uh, episode of uh, the Geologic Podcast, which is hosted by George Robb, who himself is a musician, he has a segment on there called Ask George, which, by the way, you can ask me questions if you want, and I'll see if I can get an answer for you. Uh, you can just send that in an email to me, 
Dr. Dim at dimland.com. D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And if I see your email and I'm able to give you an answer, I'll I'll see what I can do. But, uh, uh, you know, if you're curious about something, I'll see what I can find out or give you an opinion if I have one. So, you know, you can do that. It's no problem. Or you can just drop a little note saying hi and listen to the show. It's kind of nice. And I told a couple friends about it. And, you know, maybe I'll double my listenership to four. It'll be great. So, <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, no, but it would be great if you, you know, spread the word. Yeah, I've only been doing this since 2010. Wow. Coming up on another, uh, another anniversary in March. Wow. Anyway, uh, on George's show, uh, somebody had uh, asked him a question about what he thinks about live albums. And he talked about that in a segment. And he did bring up the fact that, you know, it kind of depends on what you mean about a live album. Because there's, 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 there are bands uh, such as uh, uh, Kiss. You know, Kiss made it big. They had put out a, like three, three albums, studio albums, that did okay. But just weren't rocketing them to the superstardom that they would achieve. Until they released Kiss Alive. That came out and... And that was just let's just blow away. Wow, this is, sounds like a great show, and it sounds like fun, and it's you know the crowd's really into it, and the band plays pretty well live, and it's it was all excitement and all that. Well, it turns out that Kiss Alive is sort of a live album. It's like the bones of it is from a live you know concerts. From, you know, it's it, it's sort of. But when they recorded the shows and they'd listen back to them, it's just, they're just, they seemed a little flat. They seemed a little, they didn't have the excitement that if you're there at their show that you feel, you know, that, that there's something about seeing them and being immersed in the music and, and that there's that that just wasn't coming across in their, uh, in what they had recorded. So what they ended up doing was they sweetened it. You know, they, 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 Boosted up the crowd noises. They they had the cheering much more. They they added cheering and stuff, and, and added the sounds of the pyrotechnics. They made that more, you know, brought it up to the front and you know sweetened it, made it better. And then they would overdub themselves. They would, uh, you know, maybe the drumming slowed down in a section where it shouldn't have, and they just uh, Peter, let's just, just do the drum part here again, and uh, or the guitar part might have been hit a wrong note or something like that. Just because things happen in live shows. That that you know you can't get the perfection of a studio, right? You, you just things happen. So so as I think as if I'm being fair to George, what he was saying that uh, uh, an album like uh, Kiss Alive is is meant to give you the live experience, you know that the the you know the immersiveness of it, not necessarily just here's what we sound like live. Here's what we. Here's how we come across live. This is this is what we. You know, this is what we want you to have happen for you when you're at the show. And this happens for our fans when they're at the show because of the, it's the whole package. It's the light show. It's the pyrotechnics. It's the makeup. It's the the stuff that they do. That it's it's the full thing. And they can't get that full thing on an album, on a piece of vinyl or CD or wherever you, whatever you're you know streaming, whatever you're using. You can't quite get it that way. So what they do is they sweeten it to, to make it more grand. Uh, I think Gio brought up, uh, Gio's what his friends call him, and I consider myself a friend even though he doesn't know who I am. Um, uh, he has been a guest on my show, though, and I did do a portrait of him that he has hanging in, in his place. Anyway, um, uh, 
he he had said that uh, the, apparently Frank Zappa had released uh, live albums, and those live albums had no overdubbing. It's just whatever they record off the soundboard and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and Frank Zappa was never my cup of tea. It's he's a little too weird, and I don't know, just too goofy. To me, just I don't know. Maybe I should listen some more, but I just hmm, I don't know. Just never really worked for me. But it's art. It's subjective. What works for you might not work for somebody else. What works for me might not work for you. You know. So, so he said, "There's that approach." Uh, when I saw the Who uh, with the first time with Amy, they had on that tour they had the possibility you could send away for a CD of of the show that you went to. And so I did. I got it. And so there's, they don't take the time to fix anything that they got wrong. They don't. It's just, that's it. That's that's what what I saw is what I hear, on you know what I saw and heard uh, at the show at the venue, is what I hear on the CD. And that's fine. That's great. Uh, there's a whole thing about using backing tracks and playing live. I was watching some YouTube video where a guy was whining or not whining. He was not happy with it being done. But the Who have done it. They've done it when having to reproduce songs like Bob O'Reilly and Won't Get Fooled Again. And that's a heavy synthesizer uh, signature sound to it. So if they want the song to sound like it does on the album, at least close to it, they have to do. They have to play a tape or a digital thing. They, they have to play something in order to make it work. And as far as I know, the fans never had a problem with that. Now, I did notice in 2016... I did notice that Roger, and speaking of the song Won't Get Fooled Again, Roger Daltrey, the lead singer, he has to hit that 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 real powerful yeah scream toward the end of the song. Uh, and and I and when I was there, I was impressed that he nailed it. And then I realized, I discovered by looking at other live shows from that same tour that it's a recording. He's not actually doing that. Now I would advise them. Look, if that might be something that other Who fans might think, oh that might feel a little cheated by it. But I understand the guy's 78 years old. At the time, he was you know, a little younger, but yeah, come on, you can't expect him to hit that note. I was shocked when he did. So <clears throat> I, I would do, since they, they can, you know, technology works so much better in, in concerts, live concerts now than it used to back in the day. Just, just on the big screen, just have, uh, just have a, an overarching yeah, you know, one of his best live yas that they have on re recorded, and then show a bunch of clips of him at various ages. You know, doing the you know doing the show, just kind of going going through that that one yeah. You know, you just kind of cut cut cut. You know, doing the yeah in seventy three, doing it in in seventy six, doing it again in eighty two, doing it again in in, in eighty nine. You know, just have it that roll up and you see him age and it's just Roger doesn't even doesn't even pretend to do it on the stage just kind of point to the screen and just admit that look I can't do that anymore <laughs> it's just there's only so much I can do um so and you know that's that's what I would say that I if I were their stage director kind of guy I would suggest that why don't we do that why don't we cut a big you know do a super cut of 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 Roger Doing the scream, you know, we just pick one really good one and just overlay that over, you know, cuts on video and just just do that. Anyway, and then I, I've I've heard that there are uh, um, uh, uh, Penn Jillette was talking about how there are bands like Aerosmith and Rolling Stones that have another band. They have a backing band 
that is not on stage with them. They're backstage or under the stage. They're somewhere else, and they play along to fill all the stuff that the five guys can't do anymore to give a more full show, to give a more full sound. I hear that that's done. U2, the band U2, uh, would have a keyboardist that they would have off stage, under stage or something like that, that would play along with them. And at the end of the show, they would put him up on the video screen and they'd thank him. They'd let the crowd know that, hey, this guy's been helping us out. Do you hear the keyboard stuff? That's him right there. The Who, at some point, uh, when they were still just primarily the four guys, uh, after Keith Moon, died when it was Kenny Jones was in the band they brought in a keyboardist named uh, John Rabbit Bundrick they brought him in and they put him on stage he's off to the side he's not he's featured like the four guys are but he's there and they they you know they acknowledge that we have him helping us out and playing stuff so as long as you're honest about it fine I don't like the idea that you're lip-syncing you know, and that's what all the the dancing shows. You know, the the, the performers that do a lot of dancing in their shows. Well, they're lip syncing because there's no way you can sing and do all that dancing and not sound like you're out of breath. Because that's quite a workout. All right. So, uh, so I thought uh, with this remaining segment of my show, which I'm running out of time here <coughs> uh, I thought I'd show you why in particular the who because <laughs> of my favorite band how they differ from their 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 album sound and what they what they produce on stage and and this is uh, more their their earlier period you know through you know uh, of the first clip I'm going to play comes from Tommy and, and this is under fair use because I'm doing a compare, a compare and contrast and talking about this. This is fair use. Okay? <laughs> uh, I'm going to play these uh, these clips uh, as a comparison. Now, now some of their later albums, like uh, uh, Who's Next and Quadrophenia, captures a little bit more the, the power of a live show. But these guys, and bear in mind that, well, The Who, they released that Live at Leeds, a live album. That one got sweetened, too. I was a little disappointed to find that out, but okay, that there was some overdubs here and there on it. But um, but what I'm going to play here, uh, I think, are uh, uh, there there there's a possibility there's an overdub, but I doubt it. Uh, on the first one, uh, it, the stu it's 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 a part of the song. We're not going to take it, which is off of Tommy, which is the last song on the album. Uh, it, it's the see me feel me part of that it, like it ends in that see me feel me and then it gets into the listening to you i hear the music gazing at you i you know all that stuff uh it has that right uh and that that segment of the of that song became so popular in concert that in america anyway uh the the label decided to release that segment of the album cut they just kind of started off at the see me feel me part they, they lop out all the rest of the uh we're not going to take it song and they just do. The, they released it as "See Me, Feel Me," and as a, as a single, and it actually got to number twelve on the American charts. So, you know, that's cool. Um, so, so I'm going to play this little bit here. This is from the album. And the one thing you should note uh, when you listen to to Roger, uh, Pete Townsend had said, up until Tommy, Roger was the singer. He, his contribution to the band was 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 important, but it just it just he 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 still wasn't. It didn't seem like he was um, 
quite gelled with the band yet. Even though some great songs had been done before then. They, they, the Who did these great singles up until uh, Tommy, and then they did this masterpiece album of theirs, which eh, it's a little underproduced, but the reason it's underproduced is because they didn't want to get too crazy because they wanted to be able to reproduce it on stage. And remember, it's in those days, it was just you know a drummer, a bass player, and the guitar player doing, providing the music, and the guy singing. So, you know, it's just four guys. There was no backing tracks. There was no band playing with them. There were no other per people brought on stage to play with them. It was those four guys. So bear that in mind when you hear the live cut. Now, this is... From, but what, Roger, what Pete had said about Roger when it got to this, you'll you have this in mind as you're listening to Roger sing here, is that with Tommy, something came out of Roger. The, more, the artist that was in Roger came out and interpreted the character of Tommy, and he became more than just a singer. He became you know, so much more of an important part uh, of the sound, of, not only the sound of the band, but the, of the soul of the band, if that's a way to put things. He became much more important. And he st and he kept that level there. He came, once, he, once he tapped into that, he had that going forward on all the rest of their records and albums and that. So, okay, this is uh, this is uh, the uh, track See Me, Feel Me. There might be a little bit of a gap before it plays. Oh, I dropped my pen, sorry. Uh, but let's, uh, uh, let's see, let's get it queued up here. Have I got it ready? All right, this is uh, about a minute and a half of it, and you'll get a feel. It's going to start. It's going to kind of fade up. I mean, it'll start. Touch me. that and, and, and that's the album cut that's the studio cut the, it's the, the the you hear the sensitivity in in Roger's voice something that hadn't been heard before in their previous recordings so you get that idea there and then and then when they get into the you know see uh, listening to you and all that when they get into that part of it it's it comes up in its temp or it's in its intensity a little bit but the the, the vocals is more like a choir and it fits in with the the rest of the album. That's that studio album. It fits in with the feel of that. But this is what made them so fantastic. When you would see them live, and they play this this clip I'm going to play now, 
I got to get it set up. This clip comes. This is a live uh, clip, and this is from the uh, 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 the sound uh, the Woodstock soundtrack. This is them performing at Woodstock in 1969. They were the headliner of Day Two, I think. And um, there, it, I did according to Wikipedia, there was some overdubbing done on the. On the uh, uh, on the album that was released, but I doubt the Who took place in that because Townsend didn't like the whole deal. He didn't want to play Woodstock. They were one of the first bands that said, "Look, you pay us up front." <laughs> they were one of the, one of the one of the bands that got paid right away. Okay, and then uh, they, according to legend, uh, their drinks were spiked with acid, so they were tripping a bit on the, during the show. Townsend just didn't like the experience. I have, a, I have a feeling that he would not want to go back and revisit it by overdubbing some of this stuff. So, when you listen to this, the intensity is turned up. The 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 urgency of it is turned up. The sensitivity is still there with Roger a little bit, but it, it's just you just just get a little bit more. And this is why this this song could be often was like a show closer, or at least the the main set closer. So, okay, hang on. Let's listen. Uh, it's going to come up here. See the see the there's a more intenseness to it. Uh, Daltrey's voice is still sensitive, but there's a there's a there's a there's a stronger projection to it. It seems like it's a little faster, but it might still be at the same tempo. But it just seems like it, it's just there's just a little bit more. Now there, here's a better example. This is uh, this is part of this long track called a quick one while he's away. It's a it's a series of of short songs put together into a, like a nine minute thing or whatever a ten minute thing uh, on their album called a quick one which was their second studio album 
And uh, so this is earlier than, than than Tommy. There would be another album between this one and Tommy. Uh, but this is uh, this is sort of gives is giving Townsend the idea of doing sort of a rock opera when he did this experiment of writing several little songs and linking them together, uh, kind of the thing. So this is this is the last part of that song uh, on the album. It is. Uh, hang on a second here. Uh, on the album. It, it it's there's a there's a more sedateness to it, uh, but it but it, even still it's meant to uh, kind of jack up at the end of the song to just kind of rock to the end of it. So um, here's the uh, here's uh, the cut from the album uh, of the last segment of the song, a quick one while he's away. Let's hear what this sounds like. And that's that's the album track. Uh, you, it's 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 when you hear the live version of this, you'll it's like whoa, because <laughs> they are amped up in the in the live version. It is it's incredible. It, this is from uh, the Rolling Stones Rock and Roll Circus, which was not released for a long time. The the, the Rolling Stones put it together. They invited a bunch of people to come in and, and perform in a circus type environment, and the Who came out and just. Just were blew everybody away. It's just they were just so intense, so high energy. Everything was just it was really uh, something to see. Which you can watch the clip on YouTube. I will link to it in the show notes. Go to dimland.com, click on the show notes blog option, and uh, you'll be able to to watch this. It is a, it, it's it's night and day different from what the album feels. It's just so uh, uh, it's and this is why they are such a goddamn good uh, uh, great live band and this is just the four of them as far as i know there was no overdubbing or anything like that going on this is the four of them live uh at, at this in like i think it's either 1970 or s somewhere around there so let's uh let's check out this clip yeah it's gonna come here uh here it comes same part Oh, 
And that's that's the live uh, thing. It's just, oh, God, I could listen to that all day. <clears throat> I'm telling you, it's just, it's it's thrilling. They, they, it's that's to me. That's that's how it feels. This is why they're such a great live band. Uh, at least they were, and they, they they still do great live shows. But they have a lot more musicians on the stage with them now. They get to fill the sound and to do the stuff that they're doing. They don't feel like they have to be the Who like they were back then. So and they're old men, and so they need some younger guys around. You know. Uh, anyway, it, it's just it's it's great. I'll link to the, the the clips so that you can do a comparison on your own. And if you don't think that the Who's the greatest live band in the world. I don't know what I... It's art. It's subjective. Oh, and if it sounds like they're saying cello, 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 cello in that bit, that's because they are. See, they wanted to have a cello playing in the song, but they couldn't afford to pay a cellist to come in and, and play. So they just said cello, 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 cello. I, you know, wait. <laughs> that's, I, I guess, uh, necessity is the mother of invention or something? I don't know. Good night, Adolfo. Good night, Frau Blucher. Well, that's it. Another one in the books. Probably went a little long this week, but what the hell. Uh, you, you've been listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, uh, Jim, Doc, Dim, fit, uh, let's start that again. Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. I got tripped on my tongue. Uh, be, uh, be skeptical. Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Listen to The Who. And, uh, and also, remember to sleep with the lights off. We'll see you next week. Maybe. Who knows? You can check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option, and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. Production of the Z Talk Radio Network.
And now, a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. My life, you're clever, Jimmy. It's certainly taken me in. Well, well I'm going, going to hell. hell.